Thanks for joining us here on Service to School Stories. Your hosts for this season are Alec Emmert, Service to School CEO and Navy veteran. And Sydney Mathis, Chief Program Officer and former College Admissions Officer. This season will cover topics as it relates to higher education, military service transition, and career opportunities and outcomes for veterans. Join us as we share student stories, inside tips from the admissions office, and conversations with employers actively hiring student veterans. Here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Service to School Stories podcast. I am joined by two wonderful colleagues in the higher education and career and employment space. Um, I'm joined by Candy Tillman. She is the co-founder of 50 Strong, as well as Tiffany Darty. She is an HR leader in Military Pathways from Johnson Johnson. Very excited to be in this conversation with ladies today as we talk about employment opportunities for student veterans and also how they can position themselves to be marketable and employable um, after they graduate. So Tiffany and Candy, really excited for you both. Um, can you talk to our listeners a little bit about who you are, your background, um, joining the podcast today? Awesome. Hey, Sydney, thank you so much. I'll jump in. Uh, this is Candy. Um, Sydney and Service School really Appreciate y'all got y'all having us today. Um, a little bit about me. I'm Candy Tillman. I am a first-gen college grad. Um, and for me, going to school really did shape the rest of my career. We, my husband and I started 50 Strong two years ago during the height of COVID, because what we really wanted to do was to think about, you know, there's all these military-ready employers have amazing pathways. And even before COVID, we wanted to figure out if there was a way that virtual connections could make sense. Certainly when COVID hit, it made a ton of sense. We've really been focused on um, how do we help strong military talent connect with strong military-ready employers, either for jobs, internships, or maybe just even for career readiness um, that I think is really important for military-affiliated students. Yeah, absolutely. So what about you, Tiffany? Well, I'm Candy's biggest fan, one, and uh, also uh, a supporter of service to school, but I'm Tiffany Darty, and I do, I, I'm the HR leader for Military Pathways at Johnson & Johnson. That's a corporate title, just as I, I lead our military talent work. But my background is that I was Army enlisted. I joined at 17 when I graduated high school many years ago. In fact, I'm a first-generation high school graduate. Not to one-up you there, Candy, but where I was like, wow. blue-collar one-upping, right? Yes, <laughs> yes I love it. So en enlisted, first-generation high school grad, first-generation. My mother was an immigrant. And so I think that not only military service, but college education has really transformed my career as well. But um, after military service, I you know, got my degrees and hustled, uh, got them on the side of my desk while working in higher education. So I spent about 10 years in higher ed career counseling, starting from small technical colleges to, uh, I advised all the engineering students at Vanderbilt University before I left there. Um, and then I've spent wow. the last 10 years, so that's 20 years since I got out of the military, but the last 10 years in military talent work. So um, went to grad school for rehab counseling, thinking that would mean working at the VA, um, but I've worked in the nonprofit sector and then the corporate sector in military affairs, um, previously in financial services and now at Johnson & Johnson. So glad to be here. Wow. I mean, truly, Tiffany, kind of like full circle. Um, I think, you know, just being able to speak to the career advising from higher ed, but also now on the other side of the desk. I mean, to be able to give students that kind of full picture um, for our listeners today is just very exciting to me. Um, but I think our listeners are going to take a lot of away from it too. 
Um, so Tiffany, I want to talk to you a little bit about your current role there at Johnson Johnson. Um, I know you mentioned, you know, pathways and for the military students, um, obviously a pathway through higher education onto employment is going to be really important. So when we talk about um, ensuring our students are marketable and ready to be, you know, in front of employers post-graduation, what's some advice you have for our student veterans in that space? Yeah, one is really always know your stories uh, really well. So be able to tell specific stories about the times in your past when you were you at your best. And that's really what can differentiate you from the other college students who are coming through in many ways is I know, you know, I was in charge of an air traffic control facility at 18 years old. And that's something that was normal in the military. And I just use that as an example, highly not normal right? <laughs> in, the, in corporate yeah. America to be given um, given much responsibility at all early in your career and even in yeah. early in your post-college career. So really, really get clear on those stories of what you did and owning them and realizing how highly unusual they are and how how much they can set you apart. That, that would be my first piece of advice. Yeah. Candy, what about you? Do you have any advice there from talking to a, a wide variety of employers? Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing. Um, our, so our efforts are made, or we're fully industry funded, and our efforts are made possible by some really awesome employers. Um, Johnson & Johnson, one, um, Lowe's, um, John Deere, Amazon, AWS, um, Cushman & Wakefield, United Health Group. And, you know, I did, a, I did a segment not long ago with Bo Higgins over at Amazon, and what he said was this, and it was very enlightening for me. What he said was, you know, we have all these great campus recruiters, but they were missing sometimes student veterans because they bring a different type of skill to the table. And so what I really encourage all student veterans to really think about is as you're in school, who are all the people and employers that you should be engaging with early and often? So certainly leverage campus recruiters, right? Certainly. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so much to be said for when student veterans are also engaging with and learning from people like Tiffany who lead military talent initiatives at these same companies. Um, The reality is, you know, I know campus recruiters that don't know about military ready pathways at their own companies because the companies are just so big. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage student veterans to be engaging with the folks that are responsible for military talent, in addition to the campus recruiters that their campus career services may also be engaging with. Oh, Candy, can yeah. I just add, because I love, love, love so much what you said. Um, having worked on the campus side too, what I would want to add is it's always and, right? It's like, yes. don't work through your vet center and your vet rep and only apply to veteran programs. Also work with your career center. Also at Vanderbilt, people often miss the power of the parent network. They had a formal network of parents of students that went to that campus. And I can't imagine someone who would be more eager to help a student out than someone who's else's kid is going to that school, uh, whether you're an adult or not an adult. But it, my point in that is um, leverage all of those. So you leverage the resources available as a student and the resources available as a veteran. Yeah, that's so important, right? I think students just think, okay, well, the career center is the only place that can go to help me, you know, get a job or get an internship or be in front of future employers. And they just miss out on so many, there's so many, you know, spots that are available for support. Um, So many too, I'm like, are you on LinkedIn? No, 
you got to be on LinkedIn. You know, I will start tugging you in posts. I will start putting you in touch with people. Um, but they just, you know, aren't necessarily aware of all of the opportunities available to them too. Um, I was speaking with a student last week and he said, yeah, we use Handshake. Um, but, you know, I go on there and it's just a, a big, big, big pond or pool of opportunities and I get lost. It's like, well, let's get you in touch with people who can start to formulate and build these connections. Those personal connections, you know, are going to be so important for uh, their positions afterwards. Um, Tiffany, I want to come back to you a little bit. Can you talk to me about the importance of when you're looking to hire someone, either a recent grad or a graduate student, how important are internships and, you know, relationships that they built either with professors or um, leadership, you know, in their time in service and kind of that interview or that hiring process? Yeah, really a great question. Uh I always would advise anyone who has the ability to do internships to do internships. And this is not just coming from Johnson & Johnson. This is, you know, a lot of roles in the financial services sector where I came from. You know, if you don't get in as an intern, it's very, very hard to break in. That said, there are a lot of pathways if you don't have that opportunity. And I was a non-traditional college student who had a baby and worked full-time. And, you know, that, those are some of the things that, that make student veterans unique. So here's what I'll say is if you can get on those recruiting timelines and reverse engineer those recruiting timelines um, and do those internships, do them. And we have plenty of them at Johnson & Johnson. Um, and we also direct hire. So let me give you an example using Johnson & Johnson as an example. Yeah. We have lots of leadership development tracks from procurement to finance to a military specific leadership development track. I said, and I would never say just apply to one of them uh, if another might be of interest, an HR leadership development track. All of those are programs where you do a rotations, you were hired full time, and then you land in a permanent leadership role. That's the, the basic gist. You've probably heard about other companies, I'm sure, talking about these types of programs. All, all of them except the military specific one also have feeder internship programs. If you do an internship, yes, you are more likely to get into the program and all of the programs also direct hire. So I think that's one thing I'm really proud of at Johnson & Johnson because yeah. it's not the only way to get in. But say you didn't get a chance to do that internship, right? Then those relationships become even more important. And what I would say is it's finding those, you know, one of the best things you can do is you can search LinkedIn and find people who served in your military branch or all the branches of the military and currently work at that company and start to build those relationships or work through mentoring organizations to build those relationships beforehand because they're really going to be able to help you and coach you and give you some insight on what the interview process is like, maybe reach out to that hiring team on your behalf. Um, I often send notes for people and just say, hey, if I can help translate their military experience, right? I can't promise yes. to get an interview. <laughs> but I can give that nudge, right, uh, yeah. in the process. So th that's my advice and how it matters. I think you can get in both ways. There's not one way to get in, uh, but if you can intern, intern, reverse engineer that hiring pathway. Yeah. Hey, Sydney, can I jump in on something? For you sure. Know, as Tiffany is talking about the importance of reverse engineering and thinking about internships and multiple pathways, what occurs to me as part of this is this: these things take time, right? Mm -hmm. So I hear far too many student veterans that are like, okay, I got my degree, now what, right? And what I really hope that they all think about is during that time that they're in school to do all that reverse engineering and kind of like thinking about the goal and working backwards because those things do take time, right? Yep. Um, 
And I think, you know, I think they're, you know, something like 62% of student veterans are first gen, right? Which mm -hmm. Tiffany, I didn't realize that you were the daughter of an immigrant, me too. Um, and so I just think about like, those are the things that like, there's a little bit of conditioning that's like, oh, yeah. I get a degree and then the jobs just appear. And the reality is it takes time to find right. that right fit, right? Whether you're yeah. going straight to the workforce after the military, or maybe you make a stop in higher ed on the way to the workforce. So I think that yeah. time and kind of preparing as, as folks are in school is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me of another applicant I was talking to yesterday. You know, he's thinking about completing his, he earns his associate. We're talking about transferring and he's thinking about completing his associates either at that same online program or going to an in-person. And I said, well, why do you want to leave the online program to begin with? He said, oh, well, you know, I haven't spoken with one professor. I haven't talked to anyone at the institution. There's just not a lot, you know, of personalized interactions. And I said, well, then why would you want to complete your program there? Don't you want to be in front of faculty members that will put you in touch with employers? Don't you want to speak with employers that are visiting college campuses? Don't you want those connections to make you, you know, employable once you get out? And once I kind of made that connection for him that, you know, these interpersonal relationships that you're establishing through your time in, in college um, can lead to some really great, you know, employment opportunities at the end of that experience. But like, to your point, Candy, those aren't just going to show up when you walk across that stage at graduation. You have to be working towards that while you're also completing these classes. Um, and I think, you know, that's un unfortunately a part of society where it's like, oh, well, you get your bachelor's degree, now you get a job, but there's work that has to go into that too. You know, we were, um, we were at NASPA last week, their military symposium in Denver. And one of the things that I shared was a degree is a degree, right? The reason that so many student veterans are going to school is because that promise of a strong job on the back end, right? Um, and so I think I think the the preparation while they're in school um, just so important, so important. Can, can I muddy the waters here a little bit? Uh, Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about the dichotomy of this a little bit, and we're going to use fancy college words because we're a fancy college audience, right? Um, that is that you got to be clear. On I'm going to go Google real quick. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you have to be clear on what you want to do, but I'm also, I'll, I'll use my college career center time and say, I'm a believer in the chaos theory on careers. And there's a, there's a bit to this, which says, there's a bit to this for me, which is about the fact that you don't have to know exactly what job you want to do. And I want to be really clear yep. on that. You don't want to start contacting employers and say, what should I be when I grow up? I don't have any idea what I want to do at your company and you're a hiring manager. That's not going to get you very far either. But here's what I would say you want to work on getting clear on. What are the kinds of problems that you're best at solving? Mm -hmm. What are the kinds of impacts that you want to have? What kinds of populations are you best at working with and best suited to work with? The big one being, what, what are the problems that you're best at solving? And I've heard the advice given to Todd Connor, who founded Bunker Labs, said this, and I don't know if it was originally from him, but he was advising veteran entrepreneurs and saying, as an entrepreneur, as an inventor, if you're an inventor, you should be in love with having, that you found the problem that needs to be solved, that you found the right problem, not that you have the best solution to it. So I use that and just the, the personal example very briefly is I had career counseled students for almost a decade. And when I decided I should be working with veterans, the only option I knew about was going to work at the VA. And I chose grad school with the idea of going to work at the VA. What would that mean? 
Um, yeah. And I had no idea the possibilities that were available to me, but how I ended up finding out about the possibilities. And by the way, I think my career has been more interesting than I could have carved it out to be, has been my talking to people about what my personal passion was, about what my mission was, about the kinds of challenges I wanted to be part of solving and the kind of impact that I wanted to have. That's when people go, oh, did you hear Wounded Warrior Project's opening an office? Oh, did you know this is happening in corporate? And did you know that this company is doing this work? So mm -hmm. I, I just would point to that as, as being some of my biggest advice. I just was going to say, I love all that. Like the, I, the concept of being open a little bit to opportunity versus being so narrowly focused mm -hmm. um, is really important. Uh, I never could have imagined that this is the job that I would be doing even five years ago, certainly not 20 years ago. Um, and to Tiffany's point, like our careers are, I mean, my career has certainly been chaotic too, but embracing maybe the chaos a little bit and being open mm -hmm. while thinking about the problem that you want to solve. I love that, Tiffany, right? I love that. What's the problem in the world that you want to solve? Um, I think it's super important. Yeah. And I, I do think there is a lot of, you know, the, the fear out there of, oh, well, you know, how do I make a decision right now that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? And it's like, you don't have to, um, you know, majority of students will change their major and then think of, you know, a majority of adults who change their career paths. Um, but this isn't definite and, you know, there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong answer. Um, but too, I think that's another important piece of those internships is if you get in and you do an internship and you're like, well, this is nothing what I thought it was like, you know, and now you get to have that real world experience to make an informed, you know, pivot. I mean, that's an incredible takeaway too from that internship. It's like, as another student I was speaking to, he was like, I want to work in computer science. I need a computer science degree. He was one class away from a bachelor's degree in business. Um, and I was like, well, what's your end goal? Do you want to work in computer science? He's like, no, I want to run a business that does AI stuff. And I was like, well, why don't you finish your business degree and then you can potentially go back and get an MBA that is, you know, works closely alongside of computer science or AI. And we found great programs for him that are in the graduate workspace. He's going to complete his bachelor's degree and pursue um, some graduate work. But, you know, thinking through to your point, Tiffany, you know, that it's not just linear. You aren't going, completing the program, going into that career and you can't make changes or, you know, directions changes along the way. Um, as an important Sydney, reminder. So, you know, I was an MISCS undergrad and I did an internship in IT at a very reputable company. And during that internship, I remember very distinctly that I was doing like my data warehousing analyst internship. And I remember personally, like, I need to be talking to people. I need to be doing the things, right? Yep. And I went back to school I had a professor that this is what he said to me. He said, because I was, I was very confused, right? About the career path that I should go after I finished school. And I had a very brilliant professor. And this is what he said to me, focus less on the opportunity and focus more on that first company that will be an amazing training ground for the rest of your career and figure it out from there. And it was the best advice that I could have ever gotten because what I didn't realize is that my IT training actually was setting me up for lots of different fields um, that weren't directly related to computer science and MIS, but that were very helpful for me. As you can tell, I talk a lot and it is not ideal for me to be stuck behind a computer all day um, that I just hadn't been thinking about. And I sure am glad at this point that I kind of took that career pivot that has resulted in, 
you know, maybe three more career pivots by this point over my 20 year career. Um, and sometimes that here's the other part. Sometimes it takes us a while to figure out that problem in the world that we want to solve. And so as we're thinking about the training and how we're equipping ourselves, this is where I think really strong companies can come into play. You know, a company like Johnson Johnson, there's huge amounts of opportunity. And so just because you go in in a certain area doesn't mean that you can't look around for other functional roles that you may find equally interesting. Oh, yeah, not to plug too much on J&J, but you're right. Is I, when I came here just a year and a half ago, I was surprised how many people I'd given a conference call and say they'd been here 20 or 30 years. And listen, I was on the, I'm changing jobs every three to five years track because that's what you do today. And it's like, how are so yeah. many people here 20, 30 years? And I would talk to them and find out it was because they'd had three distinctly different careers in that amount of time. They'd had that opportunity to move around. Um, if I can throw one more thing too because i think we've, we've talked about sort of that extreme side of don't get too locked in on one idea because uh that may change the environment may change you may change but the other side is i think what we're really getting at is know yourself well right so if i could throw one more thing into this it is knowing the order of your priorities right now i talk about this a lot when i when i uh get on one-on-one -on -one calls, but it's, listen, I can list a laundry list of things that matter to, I'm sure, every listener and every one of us um, in this room. Like, I care how much I get paid. I care where I live. I care about my work-life balance. I care who my boss is. I care about my retirement. I care uh, about my vacation time. I care, you know, <laughs> about yeah. the problem I'm solving. I care about the team that I'm on, right? A laundry list, but the order of those priorities at this moment in my life is going to be different for me at this moment than it was a year ago or than any of you probably. And it's okay and great to know what that order of your priorities is. Because again, you don't want to reach out to an employer or someone like me and say, I'll do anything anywhere for anyone. That's not true. right? Like It's just not helpful. Not it's not true. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. uh, direct a conversation. So actually knowing you know, I need to live in this place for the next few years of my life. That's great information. That's good. Don't hide it. Um, I need, you know, the most important thing to me is X followed by X followed by X. That actually really helps people to make that recognition and help you. And the more that you have that conversation, the more you'll have people who say, oh, have you thought about this program? Or I heard about this company, or I thought about that because you're giving them something to work with, to recognize. Amen. <laughs> Tiffany, I have a follow-up question. So you've talked a lot about people reaching out to you that are interested in opportunities at Johnson Johnson. And I see this post on LinkedIn at least once a week, how not to reach out to a recruiter. What is your advice here for either undergraduate students, graduate students, general student, you know, veterans um, reaching out to recruiters, either LinkedIn or at a campus fair? What's the takeaway? And I see the exhaustion in your face. So you must... I would love to have an exploratory conversation with everyone who ever wanted to transition out of the military and find a job and just talk about work. I can't, right? Like I, I just literally can't, or I would never get strategy work done and we would never run these great programs. And so what not to do is, I don't know what I wanna do. Can you help me? Can you get on a call with me and help me figure out what I should do at Johnson & Johnson? I'd love to. I can't. I can't. But I want to be able to help you, right? I want to be able to help you. So the more that you can give me something tangible, like here's where I'm at, here's a question that I have, here's something that I'm working on. Do you know somebody that has worked in this field before? Or 
I applied to this job. One of my favorite ones actually in my shoes is <laughs> I found this job um, and I, I'm qualified for it. I found this job. I've got a question about it. Or could you help me follow up on it? Actually, mm-hmm. that for me and other folks may feel differently, but for me, the more that you can give me something specific and tangible that I can respond to you about, uh, I want to help you, but I, I got to I've got to have something clear that I can help you with. Um, And that's going to be different, right? Like I'll actually give you something, give you a differentiator. Someone who's just a veteran in a company, not just a veteran, they could be in a, whatever role they're in, in the company, but they're not working in military talent. They're not a recruiter and you're not trying to be hired on their team, right? You're truly Mm -hmm. trying to network with them because you have a common ground. I think that's where you can go with more of those sort of general networking questions. Can you tell me about your career path? Could we have a conversation yeah. where I could learn about what you did? But when you're going to someone who you think is a talent lead, isn't hiring, um, understand that they generally don't have that kind of bandwidth. And the more that you can be specific about the questions, the better. Yeah. Fair? So, Fair. <laughs> so this reminds me of, okay, I'm going to jump into sales from here because this is what this has reminded me of. There are fundamentals in sales, right? So I spent a lot of time in technology sales. Um, and by the way, I see lots of veterans opting out of sales affiliated roles without even exploring them. This concerns me a little bit um, because they're very lucrative pathways, especially B2B sales roles. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox, but I do have a point here, right? The point is job seekers are basically selling themselves and their value to a company, right? So I always think about how do you help somebody get to an easy yes, Right. So if you ask Tiffany, hey, I'm lost, I'll do anything, can you help me? That's not an easy yes for her, as she just articulated, right? But what may be an easy yes is, hey, I was on your website, I researched in the locations of my interest, here are the job IDs and the links to them, could you help me with X question that is specific to that? That's a much, to her point, it's a much easier help her get to a yes, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, there's this there has to be an awareness of even the folks that are running military talent programs at some awesome companies. They're not case managers, right? They can't individually have, I can't have individual conversations and I wish I could, but the reality is we're all trying to figure out how do we, how do we facilitate all these pathways at scale? And so when folks take some initiative and are proactive in their own research, that helps us to identify this is a person that has their stuff together, that really understands what they're looking for. And oh, by the way, now I can help this person because they've articulated something that I can give an easy yes to. Yeah. And I think all of a sudden, that's part of a job seeker almost demonstrating their worth in real time, right? To help somebody like Tiffany get to that easy yes. Yes, I can help you. Yes, I can send a referral to this hiring manager based on all the information that you've already given me versus me having to do the work to get there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And something you've both kind of briefly touched on is, and we probably spent an entire episode on is networking. Candy, I know you all have very large networking um, events and opportunities and some specific for student veterans. Um, can either one of you talk to us and our listeners about the importance of building that network and reaching out and, you know, getting in front of either a recruiter or a hiring manager? Um, how do you see that play out? Well, and listen, this isn't just when you get hired in your job. Um, this, the currency of my career is relationships. I'm, I'm going to say that. Like it's, it gets me hired every time. It's 
uh, it is what has created my value in the corporate workplace is my Wait, can you say that again? The current <laughs> uh, my career is the relationships. Yeah, is my relationships. Like I literally, that's what gets that's me paid back is that I've built relationships and people. Yeah. I'll also give you a quote that's not mine. It's Stephen H.M. Covey. Um, uh, sorry, progress moves at the speed of trust. So it's true that it is not just about getting hired. It is actually how you get things done in the workplace. And sometimes I think particularly veterans can take a minute to grasp that because there's an inherent trust in the military. When you get assigned to a new location, you get assigned to a new team, you're all just going to work together. But actually in most of the world, and you know how to do this, but you maybe just haven't realized that you need to Put, place more emphasis on it is you have to build trust with people in order for them to pick up the phone and move the thing forward. Because otherwise we all spend a lot of energy. Have you ever been in a call? And just think about it where the whole time the person was talking, you were actually vetting their intentions. Mm-hmm. Like, what do they really want from me? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what are they really after? What's their real motivator? Do I like them? Um, yeah. Right. You have to get past that place to get things done right? To get things done efficiently. And that's true in networking or why we network throughout our careers, but especially even when you want a job, you want someone to help you get a job. Think about the vetting of intentions that has to go through when you call asking for a job. When you build those relationships before you need a job, that idea of would they pick up the phone? Would they move something forward? Would they have faith in sending that email? No, they already have that because you built the trust and the progress moves Mm -hmm. at the speed of trust. So it is truly that critical. And sometimes it's moments like right, sometimes it can happen super fast. I don't want to make it sound like you have to network two years before with the company. If you have time, do it. Great. But I've also had it happen really quickly. So I'll give it a quick LinkedIn victory. Um, you know, I went to grad school. I had that idea that I really wanted to work with veterans. I didn't know what that meant. True story. Someone said Wounded Warrior Project's opening an office. Have you thought about that? I went online and I went on LinkedIn and I found someone I didn't reach out to the hiring manager. I thought they're going to be vetting. They're going to be screening. I found someone doing the same job in another city. It was actually in San Antonio. Erin Miranda Candy, who's now at Wells Fargo. What? This is a small world. Yes. (laughs) Found him on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, it looks like you do a similar job. I just applied to this job in Nashville that came open. I'd love to talk to you about you and your experience and what it's been like for you. Got on the phone that afternoon. We hung up, just built a relationship. We hung up Mm -hmm. and he called his boss and said, this woman just applied. I think she's awesome. You should talk to her. That was a quick accelerated trust building. But I thought about it from that perspective of where can I build trust? Where can I build it quickly? And one of the ways he built it is you let people talk about themselves. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sorry, off my soapbox. For for perspective, the reason I love this is Air Miranda uh, currently sits on the military talent team at Wells Fargo, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if if listeners may understand this, but like Tiffany and Aaron, they know each other from a long, like it's actually a very small circle, right? I mean, I was, I was on an email today, the military talent team at John Deere sent a happy birthday email announcement to Michael McCoy, who runs military talent at Verizon. I have also seeing this same group sharing resumes back and forth of military affiliated job seekers that are really going that extra mile, really buttoned up in their research. But one employer may not have a great fit, but all of a sudden that military talent leader has seen this person is trying really hard and I want to help. And I've seen 
I've seen emails go back and forth. Here's a resume, take a look at it, right? I think, you know, sometimes, you know, we have these big events and there's all these big corporate logos, right? Sometimes that can be overwhelming, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's a big corporate logo. And I think it's so important to remember that the folks that are driving forward on military talent strategy at all these companies are human beings, right? They're human beings that have busy jobs and big lives and their parents, right? And they're all running a hundred miles a minute. And so I think the story of what Tiffany did with Aaron is so awesome because she basically, she she made it worth his while, right? And then all of a sudden, Aaron gets to do a referral. I mean, I've done the same thing for people mm-hmm. that are definitely going the extra mile. It does matter. Um, but again, I mean, Tiffany, I wrote down the currency of my career is relationships. Like I love that so much. And it does take time, right? Um, but it, to your point, it doesn't have to take two years if you don't have two years, right? But it does yeah. take a little bit of time. Right. And it, I mean, it's going back to, you know, what we talked about before, it's, it's kind of that journey, right? Like, and these are relationships that could help you five years down the road, maybe not right now, but maybe, you know, like you get to a, a company like Johnson and Johnson and you want to pivot or you want to, you know, transition to a new role and to be able to pick up the phone and call someone that you have had in your network for, you know, years or longer is just the, that currency is you so, can't put a price a great, on it. Great example, right? I'm here with you today because Christine Schwartz and I had a conversation over a year ago, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's, I think it's so important that timing piece of building relationships. And sometimes there's not immediate value. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes right. it's like, Hey, what are you doing? What are you working on? Maybe we'll look for opportunities. And sometimes these things take a long time to manifest themselves. Um, so I hope that, you know, for me, I kind of think about if we could go back to the networking piece, what I tell mm-hmm. folks is, listen, I know that networking can sound like a, a keyword. Sometimes it can sound self-serving, but we're all human beings. And if, we're just kind of open with kindness and open to people and open to ideas, all of a sudden that networking thing becomes a lot easier, right? Mm-hmm. When we when we just think about it as we're just human beings trying to have a discussion, we're all trying to do our best in the world. Well, and listen, so I, and by the way, I was in the Bush Center with Christine five years ago. And um, that is why if services school asked me to do something, you may not know me, but I know you. Um, <laughs> I love it. Look at that connection. The point. To, to Candy's end of networking too, of why it sounds icky, it sounds transactional, it's actually trust building. And so hopefully we've made that clear and you don't build trust without being authentic. So it's when people yeah. know who you are because you've talked to them about what you're about and you've been authentic. It's the people who know that I was a hot mess in basic training, but that I'm passionate about this work because of my daddy. And you know, like It's the people who know those authentic things about me that when my number mm-hmm. comes up on their phone, they don't question what my intention is when they answer it right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the bottom line of networking. Oh, that genuine, you know, part that comes through and not kind of that, you know, what's in it for me uh, mentality. That is, I think that's the icky part, you know? Um, So yeah, Tiffany, I love hitting that home that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're all people, but we all are still, you know, wanting to to make lasting connections and relationships along the way. Um, As we start to wrap up the conversation today, I would love to allow both of you just, you know, an opportunity to share either one last piece of advice, feedback, anything that you think our student population um, would find, you know, impactful or meaningful as they start to think about career outcomes. 
Well, so listen, I've been on my career counselor soapbox, so thanks for letting me revisit that. So it's going to be a part of who I am. Uh, but today I uh, work for Johnson & Johnson and I'm proudly. So I want to, the last thing I would want to leave is to encourage people to visit careers.jnj.com and careers.jnj.com slash veterans. We have dedicated hiring tracks and we also have thousands of other jobs open. Candy Mansion sales. We hold jobs in our veteran sales pathway for veterans who are considering breaking into pharmaceutical sales. We have jobs in medical device sales, but we're the world's most diverse healthcare company. Um, so a company that I'm really proud of being a part of. Check that out. Find me on LinkedIn. Um, and remember to look not only look at our veteran opportunities and our non-veteran opportunities and see what's a match for you. Great. Thanks, Tiffany. Love it. Um, and I'll just wrap Sydney by um, you know, we we what we're trying to do at 50 Strong is we're trying to make connections to employers simpler, right? So we host large virtual relationship building events almost every week. Um, we just released our schedule for the next three months and even I am overwhelmed, but there's so much opportunity and so many employers that are eager to build relationships with military job seekers to talk, to share just what Tiffany just shared about. Here's my perspective on what you could be doing and how to think about civilian employment, um, particularly for student veterans that are in uh, extended transition. Um, we, this is, 50 Strong actually started with the concept of how can we efficiently connect student veterans with military ready employers? And so um, to all your listeners, uh, first of all, thank you for spending some time with us, but certainly um, feel free to leverage anything at 50 strong that it, that may be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both so much. Um, this has just been a fun conversation for myself, but also I think, you know, our listeners are truly going to take a lot of just information, resources, guidance as they pursue kind of what's next after their time in um, undergraduate or graduate work. So thank you both. Truly appreciate the work that you're doing to provide opportunities for veterans um, in employment um, opportunities, but we will be in touch and look forward to seeing you both around. Hey, thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. For sure. That's it for this episode. Join us next week, same time, same place, where we share more Service to School Stories. Service to School Stories is hosted by Sydney Mathis, the Director of Student Success, and produced by Amanda DeBias, the Director of Communication at Service to School. Service to School is a 501c3 nonprofit providing free college admission support to transitioning service members and veterans. Join us next time and follow us for more on all of your favorite social media platforms.